Okay. Well, it's not Purim today, but we're celebrating Purim today. Purim is an incredible book that talks about God's plans and purposes. But I want to give this title to the message this morning. It just so happened. That's the title of the message. It just so happened. And I think it's true to say that the story of Esther is not just history. In fact, it reveals God's plans and purposes for each one of us as we live at our lives directed by God's design and God's will. Nothing, dear ones, is by accident. Even if we're unable to figure out what God is up to, nothing is by accident. And Esther gives a good example of this understanding. Well, there was a well-known theologian, so well-known I couldn't find his name, but I do have the quote. (laughs) He was once asked to prove the existence of God. And he replied that he could prove God's existence in two words. The Jew. The Jew. You see, from ancient history, even to this very day, many nations have attempted to exterminate God's chosen people. Starting with the ancient Egyptian empire, who originally enslaved them for 400 years and then tried to kill off all of the male children. Continuing on, the Philistines and other nations who tried to annihilate them when they arrived in the land of Canaan. Assyria, the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, all of them who massacred thousands and exiled Israel from their land, destroyed their temple, and sometimes even outlawed the worship of their God. The Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, the Byzantine Empire, the Spanish Empire, the Crusaders, Nazi Germany, Russia, all have singled out Jews for persecution. And today, the Jewish nation is surrounded on every border by countries who have declared their intention to destroy Israel. But miraculously, the Jewish people remain as a distinct people. One of the smallest yet most powerful of all the nations on the earth. Certainly the most indestructible. Amen? I have a friend in California, Larry Feldman, who says the history of Israel can be put in one sentence. You tried to kill us, we won, let's eat. (laughs) And as one Jewish historian puts it, we have a friend, capital F, we have a friend in the highest of places, so play nice. (laughs) Well, this morning, as we focus on the festival of Purim, we're going to look at one of these attempts to wipe out God's people. The book of Esther records an event that happened right around 480 B.C. during the reign of King Xerxes. And by the way, Xerxes is right here with us in the sanctuary this morning. Thank you very much. Xerxes, who ruled the Persian Empire. Now, some of the Jews had been allowed to return to Israel and rebuild Jerusalem, but most of the Jews remained, some believed by compulsion, but most of the Jews remained in Persia. And the setting of our story is the palace in Susa. Susa is the capital city of Persia. The main characters are King Xerxes, Queen Esther, and Esther's uncle Mordecai. And the villain of the story is the Persian prime minister, 
a man named Haman. I love this holiday. Now, Haman was a descendant of the Amalekites. They were the first tribe to oppose Israel when they approached the Promised Land. As a matter of fact, the Amalekites' hatred for the Jews went back centuries. But Haman, I can just see the people who have never celebrated Purim sitting here and going, what the heck is going on? Well, in case you wonder, and I know some of you are, the purpose is to drown out his name every time we hear it read. So, Haman had a personal reason to hate the Jews. You see, one of the king's guards was a Jewish man named Mordecai. Everyone else bowed down to the prime minister, but Mordecai refused to bow down, and this absolutely infuriated Haman. So in his arrogance, he hatched a plot. The plot would make it possible for him to murder Mordecai legally. But more than that, more than that, it would make it legal to murder every single Jew in all 127 provinces of Persia. Now Haman convinced King Xerxes that the exiled Jews were his enemies and that all of them should be exterminated. And to sweeten the deal, he told the king that all of the Jewish wealth that would be captured would be confiscated and a portion of it would end up in the king's treasury. Now, the king really didn't want to be bothered with the details. And so the king says, quote, the money and the people are both yours to do with as you see fit. Esther 3.11. And then he gave Haman his signet ring. He gave him his signet ring so that he could make whatever decree he wanted. And so, Haman issued a royal decree on Nisan 1, the first day of the first month of the Hebrew year. That on Adar 13, or the 13th day of the last month of the Hebrew year, less than a year away, the people of Persia had permission to kill every Jew without penalty, and they could take all of the Jews' possessions for themselves. This decree was sent out across all of the 127 provinces of Persia, from the borders of Egypt all the way to the borders of India. Now let me tell you that this decree had the potential to completely wipe out all of God's chosen people. It's hard to explain why the Jewish people have been the target of such similar hatred for almost, from almost every country on earth during almost every time or encounter in history, except this, that we need to realize that it has always been part of Satan's plan to eliminate the people of God. You see this in the passages of the Bible, all through the Bible, and you see the same violent plots against Israel in the pages of today's newspapers. And so the plot against Israel in the book of Esther never came to pass. And the rescue of God's people came through the brave action of the heroine of this story. And her name is Queen Esther. And she is also with us today. Thank you very much, Queen Esther. Now Esther started life as nothing more than a poor young Jewish exile. And the way she rose to become queen of Persia, in fact, reads like a fairy tale. 
You see, when the king decided to find a suitable substitute for Queen Vashti, he sent out across the land for every lovely young woman to be brought before him in the royal palace. And Mordecai had a lovely cousin named Esther, and he saw an opportunity to increase, if you will, Jewish influence in the country, and he insisted that his beautiful young Esther should enter the contest. She did, and she won the king's heart. Now, it it was several years later when Mordecai came to Esther again with a desperate request. You see, when Mordecai heard about Haman's royal, royal death warrant for the Jewish people, he sent a message to Queen Esther in the palace. Mordecai asked her to go before the king and asked him to cancel the decree. Now, to the queen, the queen, this looked like what? Mission impossible, right? Esther replaced Queen Vashti, who had been banished for displeasing the king, remember? And Esther would be breaking protocol if she barged into the king's presence without an invitation. And on top of that, no husband wants his wife telling him how to run his business. Can I get an amen? Amen. All the men said amen. Okay. And so Esther told Mordecai, quote, If I do what you're asking, I'll be signing my own death warrant. So Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at this time, at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Esther chapter 4 verses 13 and 14. And so Esther asked Mordecai to have all the Jews of Susa fast for three days, while she and all her maids would do the same. Esther 4, 16. And so, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. That courage is what made Esther a heroine. And God answered those three days of fasting by giving Esther an inspired plan. Even back then, the way to a man's heart was through his stomach. (laughs) So when Esther entered the king's chamber, she invited him to a banquet. In fact, she invited not just the king, she invited the man that that she knew was the power behind the throne, Haman! (laughs) And the story tells us that Haman went home. Oh, you missed it. He went home and bragged to his family about how everything was going right along with his plan. The king had made him the most powerful man in Persia. And the queen herself had invited him to an exclusive banquet. Just the king, the queen, and Haman. Well, we've talked about the villain. We've talked about the heroine. But now it's time to focus on the most important person in the drama, the director. In the story of Esther, you will find that God is actually never mentioned in the entire book. It's the only book in the Bible that never refers to God or even to prayer or worship. Now, this might be because the book was written in Persia, where mentioning God, the God of the Jews, was a federal offense. Who knows? But make no mistake, God was directing the action of this story. Behind the scenes... God had been setting the stage in many ways (coughs) that Haman 
And even Esther or Mordecai couldn't have imagined. So here's what happened the night after Esther invited the king to her banquet. That night, the king had trouble sleeping. So he ordered an attendant to bring the book of history of his reign so that it could be read to him. The part of Persian history he read that night just happened, remember the title of the message? Just happened to be about Mordecai. And it told about a time in the past when a man named Mordecai overheard two of the king's guards plotting to assassinate him. When the king read that Mordecai had exposed the plot and saved the king's life, he asked his servant, <coughs> what reward or recognition did we ever give Mordecai for this? His attendants replied, nothing has been done for him. We read this in Esther chapter 6 and verse 1, which I should have marked off. I apologize. Hold on. Terrible. The rabbi of a congregation, I have still never memorized the order of the books in the Bible. Does that give people here hope? Okay. I do know where the table of contents is. Hold on. This is very embarrassing, but it's okay. Okay, here we go. I'm going to look at it. Books in the Old and New Testament, alphabetically. Okay, <laughs> Esther, Old Testament, page 493. Please turn to 490. Oh, no, that's just my scripture. Okay, 493. I hope you're having a good time while I'm doing this. Okay, Esther 6, verses 1 to 3. That night the king could not sleep, so one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the Chronicles, and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. Then the king said, What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. Who is that in the outer court? The king inquired. And as it happened, Haman had just arrived in the outer court of the palace to ask the king to hang Mordecai on the pole that he had prepared, Esther 6, 4, and 5. And the king said, who's in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that had, he had prepared for him. And the king's servant said to him, Haman is there, standing in the court. And the king said, let him come in. That's a lot of coincidence in this story, isn't there? The king just happened to have insomnia that night. And he just happened to read about Mordecai. And then when he wanted to talk to someone about giving Mordecai a reward, guess who just happened to be nearby? Not only was Haman in the courtyard, but he just happened to be constructing a pole so that he could ask the king to hang Mordecai on it. So let's stop here just for a minute. At this point in the story, none of the characters, Esther, Mordecai, Xerxes, Haman, none of them have any idea that God is setting the stage for the salvation of his people. To the characters, it seems like life is just a series of unrelated events that just happened. Isn't that just how life feels for us as we live it? We can't see the pattern to all the just happens of our lives. But God is always constructing an amazing pattern in our story. And in the book of Esther, 
God was putting everything in place step by step, and his justice and his actions would be absolutely perfect. So here's what happened. The king asks Haman, Esther 6, verses 6 to 9. So you know who came in, (laughs) and the king asked him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now, Haman thought in his heart, whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And he answered the king, for the man who the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought, which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest placed on its head. Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Great idea, said the king. And the next thing Haman knew, he was leading Mordecai through the city, shouting the very words he came up with. This is what the king does for someone he wants to honor. All the time that Haman was leading that royal horse through the city which which Mordecai was seated on the horse, I believe he was thinking, oh well, I'll just put up with it for now, but soon it will be a Dar 13, and I'll have Mordecai hanging from that pole in the end. So, Haman and the king attended Queen Esther's banquet. And it was great. And better yet, she invited them back for a second banquet. And it was at this second banquet that Esther found her golden opportunity to speak up. I can't tell this part of the story any better than the original. Esther 7, verses 2 through 10. And on the second day, at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Up to half my kingdom it shall be done. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. Then King Ahasuerus answered and said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he? Who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. And so Haman was terrified before the king and queen. Then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stood before Queen Esther pleading for his life, for he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. And when the king returned from the palace garden to the palace of the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, Will he also assault the queen while I'm in the house? As the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. 
Now Harbonah, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, Look, the gallows, 50 cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai. Mordecai, who spoke, on the good, spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. And the king said, Hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai, and the king's wrath was subsided. <laughs> Listen to me, justice doesn't get any better than that. You know what I mean? But it's not the end of the story. Because the king's decree couldn't be taken back. And so instead, the king issued a second decree that basically said the Jews could fight back against anyone who tried to harm them. And that's just what they did. And they won decisively. And once again, God stepped in to save his people. Ever since that time, the Jews have celebrated the Feast of Purim every year to remember how God saved his people from destruction through the bravery of Queen Esther. So, nice holiday. Nice story. But what, if anything, does it mean for me? Well, maybe you feel like your own life is no more than a series of meaningless events that just happened. We may not see the pattern of our lives, but just as in the story of Esther... God is always directing behind the scenes. We see the immediate story, but God sees the whole story in what I call the eternal present. Someday, someday I believe we'll see our lives from his vantage point and we'll understand the promise that is written in Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 10. Ephesians 2, Verses 1 to 10. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, say that with me, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Messiah, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Messiah Yeshua that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Messiah Yeshua. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, in this respect, all of us are like this story's heroine, Esther. God made sure that Esther was in the perfect place for the good works he had prepared in advance for her to do. Mordecai was right when he told her. 
Perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Dear ones, God has done the same for you and me. Every one of us has a part in his plan. We have influence on people that no one else can influence. We have opportunities that no one else will have. We have a purpose in God's eternal story. And so the question is, will we be like Esther and step out in faith to do what God has called us to do? May our answer be yes. And let us all say, Amen. Would you please stand for the closing benediction? Please make sure that you do not stand alone. May the Lord, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his grace and his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, and give you peace. Yivarech Adonai v'yishmerecha, Yair Adonai panave lecha v'chuneka, Yisa Adonai panave lecha v'yaseim lecha shalom. The same lecha shalom. This is the way you shall be blessed from day to day. He is your rest. This is the way you shall be blessed from day to day. He is your rest. May the Lord, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his grace and his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace and give you peace and give you peace and give you peace baruch atadonai eloheinu melech haolam borei peri hagafen amen Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Baruch atadonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, hamotzi lechem min haaretz. Amen. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach, we pray. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.